our ideal situation was someone gets so excited and gets involved in it, you know, upper elementary school, stays with it, moves on to a school that has the mate competition in, you know, moves on to middle school, stays engaged, moves on to a high school, moves on to college or university, and then into the workplace. Welcome to Learning Unboxed, a conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. This is Annalise Corbin, Chief Goddess of the Past Foundation and your host. We hear frequently that the global education system is broken. In fact, we spend billions of dollars trying to fix something that's actually not broken at all, but rather irrelevant. It's obsolete. A hundred years ago, it functioned fine. So let's talk about how we reimagine, rethink, and redesign our educational system. So I'm very excited today to talk about the MATE ROV program, which for folks who are not familiar is one of the most wonderful uh, underwater scientific research technology expedition, solve real world problems endeavors that I think that are out there and available to kids, to schools, and communities. And I have been a fan for many years. And joining us today to talk about MATE and all that MATE is um, and aspires to be is uh, the Associate Director and Co-PI and the Competition Coordinator for the MATE Center, Jill Zandi, joining us from California. So thank you, Jill. Thank you, Annalise. Thank you for that wonderful introduction. That was very, I appreciate your kind words and description of our (laughs) our underwater robotics program. Well, for those who know me, um, my background and experiences in underwater archaeology. And so what I love and appreciate so much about this program is the fact that it helps folks understand that, you know, the, there is an entire an entire world uh, that's under the surface. And there's so much we don't know about it. And there's so much work to do in that space. And it's just infinite possibilities in terms of both the research and the science and the careers for kids. And, and for the most part, kids have no clue. Right. So it's exciting to me that there's a program out there that helps kids kind of onboard with that. So I want to talk a little bit, um, Jill, give folks who aren't familiar the sort of 50,000 foot view of what this thing is. What's MATE ROV? Oh, thanks, Annalise. So yeah, MATE's um, ROV remotely operated vehicle. It's a type of underwater robot. It's a tethered robot tethered to the surface where it's controlled by individuals with joysticks or switches, depending on the complexity of the vehicle. And so really what the MATE ROV program has evolved into is a competition, an underwater robotics competition we are a global competition. I would never have thought um, 20 some years ago <laughs> when we started this and started working towards laying the foundation for an underwater robotics competition and really getting into using ROVs as tools, as vehicles, if you will, to get students excited about STEM and un- give them an understanding of the ocean. And as you mentioned, career opportunities. I would have never had thought that it would grow into a program that We have 40 regional ROV programs Mm -hmm. that take place across the country and around the world. The majority are in the U.S. As you can imagine, that's where we're based. That's where our roots are. But it's amazing how popular this program has become 
across the globe. And so Mm -hmm. it is an underwater robotics competition. As you described, you know, we set out to challenge students. They, They get together in teams and we challenge them to design and build an underwater robot, an ROV, to tackle problems that are based on real world scenarios. And I think and that- that's the thing I love the most, right? And that's one of those distinguishing features between what Mate does just for our listeners. Because I think this is so important, Jill. And for me personally, and I love robotics of all kinds. I think there's so much that uh, can be learned there. And there's so many skills and it's a great way to engage kids into really high quality STEM and technology education. But all that aside, what I love about Mate and the reason I tout Mate is that it's based on real challenges. It's just not gamified opportunity to learn robotics. It's real work. You know, Annalise, thank you for that. And with all due respect to the other robotics Mm -hmm. competitions out there, you know, it's Right. It's tied to real world. I mean, yes, there is some value in learning how to build a robot to throw a ball through a hoop or put Mm -hmm. a box in a square. But to be able to tie the application of those skills to real world stuff. Not everyone's going to be a basketball player, right? There's less chance that you're (laughs) going to go on to that career than you are to go out in the real world and solve some of these challenges. And so, you know, we've had um, competition scenarios focused on to give a nod to your background and interest underwater um, archaeology, right? Mm-hmm. Back in the mm-hmm. day when I first met Marty Klein, who I know was one of your, your guests previously, you know, yeah. we focused on um, challenging students to explore and document the Titanic. Yep. And we have had students, we focused competition scenarios on helping to lay and install cabled ocean observatories for scientific research. We've also had students challenge them to build ROVs that um, transform decommissioned oil rigs into artificial mm-hmm. reefs. Mm-hmm. So yes, our, our scenarios are simulated in a swimming pool for the most part um, or a tank and it's not out in the Gulf of Mexico or out in the North Atlantic. But what it is, and it's PVC pipe and pieces mm-hmm. and, and um, my colleague, the uh, competition technical manager, Matt Gardner, he is a self-proclaimed PVC artist. I have seen <laughs> wonderful, <awesome>. wonderful simulations <laughs> of ocean bottom seismometers and decorator yeah. crabs and, and whatnot out of PVC yeah. pipe and pipe yeah. cleaners and duct tape, right? Because you can't do anything yeah. without duct tape. But It's the best. <laughs> <laughs> A nod to 3M, right? Yeah. Well, anybody going out at sea knows that you know duct tape and, and cable ties or tie wraps, yep. whatever word yep. you use to describe them are important. But yeah, they're, they're simulated pieces, but, but it's really about the simulation of the real world and the real world application. So, you know, you're, you're solving a problem. Um, I think one of the, the things that uh, potentially your listeners could really relate to if they're old enough, back in 2010 during the Deepwater Horizon yeah. uh, oil wellhead blowout. I mean, what a tragedy. And I know we were mm-hmm. all sitting there watching it unfold and um, watching the camera views of the oil spewing from the wellhead. And so the following year, we actually focused our competition on that exact scenario and challenged Mm -hmm. the students to do exactly what those engineers and our pilots and technicians were doing. And that was to solve the problem and actually build a cap 
mm-hmm. place it on top of the uh, well head and stop the flow of oil. Again, all simulated, but it was the mm-hmm. same problem solving skills, the same, you know, challenge that that the the real world professionals were facing. And I really, and I, I've loved every single one of them that I've had the privilege over the years to either be an observer for, a judge for, a participant for, or, you know, past runs one of those regional challenges. Um, and so it's been really, really exciting in a whole host of ways and unexpected over the years. But I will say, since you, you brought up that particular one, that that one was really near and dear. And what was, what was awesome about that one in particular is that so past foundation had been part of a, a global team that over many years had been doing monitoring work mm. on deep water shipwrecks um, in the Gulf of Mexico, which is neither here nor there. But when the oil spill happened, because we had been involved over a number of years, that that particular team had the best and most recent sort of long line data from shipwrecks that were in the vicinity of the spill and around the Gulf. And so, you know, the this tragedy happens and the science and the just the um the, the rounding and collection of, of researchers and technicians from around the globe that deployed you know, just in that moment to solve that problem. And then to be able to tap back into the data that we had over time to be able to monitor the impact. Um, and so when the challenge came along from May to go back and actually participate in understanding what happened in this global environmental crisis and the technological opportunities that it was going to take, it was a huge lift to actually cap that well. We saw going off for days, back to your point, it it helped, I think, those kiddos really understand and make it real. And certainly for us as an organization participating with MATE, we had the opportunity in that moment to share with those kiddos why it was so important, right? Because we had some real uh, tangible firsthand experience with the event itself that this (laughs) was being um, tied to. Uh, So it was timely and it was a hugely, hugely impactful thing for the participants. You know, in the in the regional that we ran, we immersed them with that, and you could watch them. The light bulbs go off, I guess. And so, I, you know, I thank you for that for 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 crafting a competition that was so incredibly real. You know what? That's um, a couple of comments to your points. I I'm excited that you mentioned that. I did not know that you all had a, a personal or rather a, a past foundation connection to that particular mission. But you you illustrate a great point. For us, while we have all these regionals across the country and around the world, and certainly you know at at Nate Central, if you will, headquarters, mm-hmm. you know, we provide the infrastructure. We lay out that year's challenge, but we also encourage each regional to make it their own. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you were able to tie it into and show the students in your area, hey, we as an organization have have a role in the Gulf of Mexico and are part of this, you know. It, effort and, and deployment of resources and people to address this challenge. And here's how we're doing it. It's not about mm-hmm. having the well, but for us, it's about bringing our shipwreck experience and all that data. And, you know, similarly in, in other competitions, we've had, you know, we have a regional in Oregon and Oregon State University scientists, some of the, the critters I think that we highlighted in last year's 
maintaining healthy waterways mission. Yep. They they brought that. It was it was set in Kingsport, Tennessee, because that's where our world championship mm-hmm. was held. But for their regional, they tied it to their own local backyard, if you will, and their right. own streams right. and their own um, species. So that was really, um, I think that's one of the things I like to think that's one of the things in addition to focusing on real world that we enable and encourage our regional partners and our regionals to do is is make that you know th- that connection that tie in and it's interesting too i have a i do have a, a personal past connection as well to the to the oil spill and in future competition years we focused on um the deep sea coral species species and some of the work that is that was done by scientists who had studied the deep sea coral prior to the spill and then were going back to see the impact of the spill. And one of those scientists was my former professor at Penn State, Chuck Fisher. Oh, yeah. So I, worked with, <laughs> I worked with Chuck. I was a senior at Penn State. He just came to Penn State when I was a senior. And I worked in his lab. And I really have to give him credit for mm-hmm. setting me on this journey to, to continue to study deep sea organisms. And it was very rewarding for me and fun for me to go back to him years later now in my, in my current role as the coordinator of the competition and ask him for some of the data and some of the work that he was doing around the spill so we could highlight it in a competition scenario. So I love all the connections. It is. It's wonderful. And it's still going on, right? You know, because you know, we weren't doing the um the deep coral or the the marine wildlife components of it. Um, we had some roles um on evaluating the shipwreck component, the structure pieces of it. But more more importantly, we were handling the sort of the community outreach and engagement pieces of it. But it was but to your point, it's really, really rewarding, you know, for those folks that are doing that amazing work, studying the Lophelia and the other coral and marine life. Um, and to be able to have that long line data and be able to track it back to this event and then this event then spurring all kinds of technologies that could then turn up later as an educational module and opportunity for the next generation of folks who are going to solve the next big environmental crisis. So it's pretty amazing. That's an amazing no, journey. And I think, you know, it's it's also interesting and, and again, to pick up on something that you said about exposing students to careers. I mean, that was one of the the big reasons, the major reasons and outcomes and goals for creating this competition. We wanted to, you know, not that we're the experts in every single career that we might highlight or is tied to one of our scenarios, but to just raise awareness that there's opportunities to research deep sea corals and there's opportunities Mm -hmm. to work for companies that are remediating things like that or companies that are are you know looking at how to make the best use of our underwater resources and just being able to show open students eyes to all the different possibilities and so that was definitely a goal from the beginning and I'm glad we've been able to do that and and just to to um one more point about the Deepwater Horizon spill, you know, as we're sitting there watching the the video of the oil coming out, we actually had some former competitors, some competition alumni, if you will, who were out there flying those vehicles and, and helping to remediate and deal with the spill. So that was really rewarding. And it was amazing yeah. to be able to share with the competition community, the other students, hey, there was someone just like you, who was struggling mm-hmm. with this challenge. And now look at them, they're out there helping to solve it. So it was a really great, great connection to be able to make. 
So the, the, those particular kiddos at the time not only struggled, but they, they found a place for them. They, they, they tapped into a passion they may or may not have even known they had, and they turned it into a career. And that's a huge, huge win. And that's one of the things that, um, that I have seen over the years of watching and participating in MATE as well. And I think that a couple of other things that I, for me um, about the MATE um, competition that are so meaningful, and I very much want to make sure that those that are listening understand this. So it's not just for older students. There's there's multiple levels, and we'll we'll talk about. I'll have you sort of talk us through each of the different levels because there there are multiple entry points. So that's one thing. And then the other thing that I I truly value about the way the program has been crafted and structured, and quite frankly maintained over the years, was really easy, especially in a competition setting. And again, not to take away from any of the other robotics competitions, and my listeners. No, I love the others as much as I love mate, but I love them for all for different reasons, right? Because, you know, one size does not fit all. And at the end of the day, as many kids who we can catch and hook into a variety of STEM careers through these programs, that's the end goal. But mate is different in another way from many of the others. So not just that it's very problem-based and it's real world, but it's also financially accessible in ways that many of the other programs are not. The the barrier to enter to participate is very low compared to some of the others. So I'd love to talk about that a little bit, Jill, and how you've managed to to make that happen. Uh, So for some of our folks who are listening who are familiar with some of the other robotics programs, especially at the high school level, um, just the entry fees for teams can be $5,000 and up. But that's not the case with MAPE. So talk a little bit about that if you don't mind. Yeah, no, thank you, Annalise, for that. I think, you know, for us, I mean, it's interesting because I've had these conversations recently with some some other newer partners and we can talk about and get into sort of the future directions of, mm-hmm. of Mate in a bit. But, you know, we um, we are rooted, we, we were established with funding from the National Science Foundation. And this competition was, was you know, funded and, and seated with National Science Foundation, you, you know, your taxpayer dollars. Exactly. And certainly we've had support from industry and, and, and thankfully over the years, you know, additional support from industry and, and corporations and foundations. But really the fact that we're rooted in, in NSF and again, your taxpayer dollars, you know, we wanted to make sure that this competition was always accessible to people. And also a diversity, a wide range of, of audience and, and a diverse audience, right? And mm-hmm. diversity meaning ethnicity, socioeconomic status, you know, un- gender, you name it. Mm-hmm. And so by keeping our fees low, we felt that, you know, we, we could do that. I mean, it wasn't about filling our pocketbooks or making a ton of money. I mean, it is about trying to sustain the program at this oh, point. Sure. We really wanted to keep the registration fees low so we could keep it accessible. And you're right, um, to to the the point that you mentioned are our different levels. It mm-hmm. isn't just for older kids. We have this progression of four competition classes that go from beginner to beginner intermediate to intermediate to advanced. We've engaged students as young as um, fourth grade, I think, well, third grade, mm-hmm. I think there was uh, some students from a third grade classroom that participated. And it's this progression. And the idea is to, our hope is to get students 
engaged and interested at an early age. And then they can build upon their knowledge and skills and continue with the program as they advance in their, their knowledge and skills and thinking. They can advance to our different levels and continue to be engaged in the program and build even more complex, different, innovative uh, robots to participate. It is really wonderful to see the little kids in particular, um, not just at the competition, but um, we utilize the, a variety of components uh, of the MATE program in our summer and after school programs, specifically with our elementary kiddos and specifically our elementary kiddos in urban settings, but we other places as well. And it, it's, it's been awesome to see how much they pick up, how quickly in terms of understanding the mechanics and the physics and the optics and you name it. And not all programs, I think, appeal to those little kids in the same way. So again, yeah. I applaud you for that. No, thank you. Thank you. And, and, you know, our beginner level, you know, when we started with this, we just had two competition levels. And I will tell mm-hmm. you as it was, it was definitely one of those things where build it and they will come and they did. Yeah. And suddenly <laughs> we discovered, even though we really aimed it, you know, that the, the May Center itself, the program that established us, the NSF program that established us focuses at um, community colleges, right? Two-year technical colleges. Right. And so we created the competition with with a two-year college student in mind, knowing that, yes, we're going to engage high school students and certainly university level because we wanted to create that pathway, right? It's all right, about right. that pathway from high school into a technical program and, and potentially you know, transferring on to four-year to get a four-year degree. But well, suddenly we're seeing, we saw this huge growth and interest from more high schools and middle schools and upper mm-hmm. elementary schools. And it was pretty amazing and really rewarding. And that inspired us to go back to the National Science Foundation. We actually got additional funding through the Innovative Technology Experiences for Students and Teachers program. And that allowed us to focus on the younger kids and and basically adapt and modify our materials so they were appealing and accessible to those students and, and to develop curriculum and lay out teacher workshops and student outreach and and all of our CMATE ROB kits, all, mm-hmm. all, the, all the resources that we have now that we can um, provide to students to participate, especially, again, the, the younger ones. And so, you know, that's where we, we added the scout level. That's the beginner yeah. level. You know, at this point, that registration fee is $50. Right, and very accessible. Then we we go up to navigator. That's a beginner intermediate at a hundred, and then ranger is intermediate at two hundred, and the explorer class, which is really the advanced, you know, post secondary Mm -hmm. community colleges and universities. Right now, that's four hundred. Now, that's not saying we might need to tweak them a little bit because we don't want to. You know, we need to stay in business. But again, always trying to keep them low so it's accessible, and and also to I think yes. You know, we encourage and students do need to have some skin in the game and learn how to fundraise and, and mm-hmm. you know, have bake sales, whatever they need to do to raise the money. That's really valuable. But we, we don't want to make it so that they have to rely on donations, thousands of dollars of donations from corporations that, mm-hmm. you know, if you're in rural America, you might not have a Lockheed Martin that can suddenly exactly exactly dollars to your school. So again, you know, just really focus on keeping it accessible. And like yeah. I said, building that pathway, building that progression. I mean, again, we would love our, our 
goal or hope, our ideal situation was someone gets so excited and gets involved in it, you know, upper elementary school, stays with it, moves on to a school that has the mate competition in, you know, moves on to middle school, stays engaged, moves on to a high school, Mm -hmm. moves on to college or university, and then into the workplace. And we do have examples of that, thankfully. And we need to do, and we will be doing a better job of documenting that and sharing it with everybody, because I think that's a real powerful message. And again, you know, really helps to demonstrate the impact of, of our, of our program. And I think another thing that if I can, that's, unique about us. I know other competitions have similar components, but for us, it's not just about the robot. We have what we call our engineering and communication component. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. is um, basically a technical report, an engineering presentation. So it gets that oral communication development of those oral communication skills and um, a poster or marketing display. Mm-hmm. So it's about the whole package. Yes, your robot, it is important, but that's not all. Because in those other components is when they can really demonstrate their learning, right? That they learned it. They just didn't and, plug and play. They learned it. Yeah, and the other piece about that, and I have been a judge numerous times on that component at our regional. And what I like about that, and the same that I like about some of the other um, competition, robotics competitions as well, is when they incorporate that, you catch more kids. Yeah. Um, and what I mean by that is that, you know, so not all kids are going to love the robot, right. but they want to be part of the team or they want to be part of the thing. I don't know why I want to be part of the thing, but it looks really cool. But I just, you know, I'm not really interested in the engineering or I'm not interested in the electrical. But all of a sudden, by having this component, um, the, the the technical report, the business plan, those, the, those aspects of it, the marketing, you catch the kids that have a completely different set of interests. And you show them that that interest and that skill set applies broadly across many, many industries, including ROV, including including technology, including deep water sciences, and so on. And so that's one of the things that um, I really, truly appreciate about the way the program works, because it's not, to your point, just about the robot. Although the robots are so cool. Uh, Annalise, that was, I mean, I couldn't (laughs) have said it any better. Thank you. You know, one of the other things that um, that I also love, and I get to say this a lot on this particular interview, is that, again, there are so many different approaches and environments or ways that you can utilize the program. And I want to just give give an example that's one that every time I think about it, I chuckle. So uh, years ago, we were working in very rural South Dakota in a community where there wasn't a science teacher, in this case, hadn't been a science teacher for, for many years. And if I remember right, it was a couple of language arts teachers and maybe a home ec teacher, I don't remember, it's been enough years now, who were going to have to be the facilitators to deliver some science instruction. And so we were working with them to try to figure out how they were going to do that. And we said, you know what, here's the thing. How about we do this mate program um, with you? And you know, you, you could see their eyeballs were about the size of saucers, like, oh my God, you want us to do what? And we're like, it's going to be okay. I promise it's going to be okay. We will walk you through it. And you are going to be able to have the most amazing team of kiddos who know so much about 
buoyancy and physics and you name it. And But the dilemma in the middle, because they wanted to run the program for themselves, um, they needed to do it through the winter time. And so uh, the dilemma was there was there was no access uh, to the pool or things mm-hmm. like that. And so, so we actually let them uh, build and we helped them sort of structure this out and they used what was on hand. And in rural America, we had an awful lot of cattle troughs, right? Of, of watering <laughs> troughs. And those watering troughs got cleaned out and hauled up to the school and bam, off you go. Uh, ROVs in, in the cattle troughs. And uh, the kids would compete virtually with each other because it's, again, very rural and talk about their teams and who was doing what and what did it look like. And they put on their own mock competition because that was what was going to be uh, uh, available and useful to them in that moment. And off it ran and it worked. And that's the beauty of the program is, you know, that those, again, those low entry barriers uh, to participate, uh, no matter how you sort of couch the participation was really, really key. Oh my God. Thank you. That is such a great story. And I appreciate, I, ha- I had not heard about that experience with the folks from South Dakota, but I will tell mm-hmm. you, you know, where I am um, in central California, it's, it's ag country, right? And yep. so, yes, we have used cattle and horse troughs and various <laughs> pieces of ag equipment and filled them up and used them for, for testing and, and mm-hmm. um, flying ROVs. So I appreciate that story. And, you know, what I, I think to your point too, we, we are able to engage a, a lot of students and other robotics competitions are as well because they mm-hmm. include those other components. And I think what also helped to make it appealing and engage even more uh, a variety of students with different interests. It's a fact that, gosh, it's probably been over 10 years now when we just made a little tiny tweak to the competition. Mm-hmm. We always knew that it encouraged teamwork and entrepreneurial thinking and, and problem solving and creativity. But we, um, we just, again, tweaked it a bit and said to the students, okay, Think of yourselves differently. Transform your teams into companies. Think of yourself mm-hmm. as a company. Mm-hmm. Your, your team is now a company. How is a company structured? Who's your CEO? Who's your CFO? Yeah. Who's handling yeah. marketing? Who's handling promotion? Who's handling R&D? And that really, I, I was just amazed at what that little tweak, that little um, rephrasing maybe, Mm-hmm. Of, of how mm-hmm. we presented the competition, what it resulted in. I mean, we would see students, and you probably saw them too. They'd show mm-hmm. up for their engineering presentations and shoot suits and ties and business oh, yeah. cards and, and brochures, <laughs> and they really took that part. And one of my most uh, favorite stories about that is, and, and again, to your point of bringing in a variety of students, I remember this interview that a videographer was was doing with one of our teams, Papaya Lincoln Community College students. Papaya Lincoln Community College is in Mississippi. And they were talking to one of the students and they said, oh, you know, are you in engineering or physics? And he goes, no, I'm in accounting. That's <laughs> <laughs> perfect. You know what? The team realized that they needed someone to handle their budget. So they went exactly. to the accounting department and said, hey, anybody interested in working with us on this real-world focused project? And he raised his hand and he said, and we still have this interview and it's posted on our website, this is the most real-world experience I have ever had. I have learned awesome. more than I ever did in my accounting <laughs> class. You know, not that he is going to go work in a technology company or, or work in the ocean realm, but he has an appreciation for the ocean realm and ocean science and technology, and 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 certainly that that 
could be a potential place for Mm -hmm. him to work, but more importantly, you know, the value. And I think I'd like to think longer term, you know, when it comes to making decisions and casting votes about certain things that he'll remember that experience and remember what it meant, what it was, what he was part of. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, that will influence his decision, whether to, to support a certain measure that, you know, protects his coastline or whatever it may be. Oh, absolutely. And I just, you know, I would encourage, you know, um, schools, teachers or administrators that might be listening, ROB, um, robotics generally, um, but ROB in, in particular is an absolutely wonderful way to lead a pathway program. And in many states, it's very, very easy to align this program across your uh, state Department of Education CTE pathway accreditations and programs. And the MATE program ticks so many of the boxes within, um, within the those state programs, including back to your point, you know, the addition of the company sort of focus allowed um, schools to tap into entrepreneurship credit opportunities in ways that they hadn't been able to before. And so I, I agree with you. I'm really, really excited about that component. We have a team out of Detroit who comes to our um, our Buckeye Regional. And in fact, I I think this team um, might even be one of the one of those early original teams, the coach who's yeah. been involved forever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is hands down, I probably shouldn't say it with all my local teams, but I love this team. I truly, truly love this team. And what I love about this team is that they are not only entrepreneurial, but um, they are scrappy. Mm-hmm. Um, they they come from a school that uh, doesn't, you know, th- and, and from a community that uh, doesn't have a lot, and yet they have been so creative mm-hmm. and so innovative, and they have uh, strived to have a community focus uh, to their team, and they can tackle and solve problems like no group of high school mm-hmm. kids that, that I have seen. And the minute they walk out onto the pool deck, you know they have arrived. Um, and <laughs> I know everybody, you know exactly which team I'm talking about. I'm not going to say it out loud, but they, they're they rock stars. And, and I just, you know, I have such hopes and aspirations for all the kids who participate, but I see those kids and I have no doubt they will change the world. And, and I'm inspired. I'm inspired by what these kids do. And that's awesome to me. You know what? I know that team, and, and two things um, that you, when your your um, presentation of that team made me laugh because I, I absolutely know who you're talking about. And, uh-huh. <laughs> but it made me think, you know, for us too, you know, it is it is a competition, right? I mean, it is, uh-huh. and somebody's going to win. But I think that what we've also tried to do is present it, um, have a collaborative, make it a community. Mm-hmm. Right, they did rock walk in, and they look like rock stars. But you said you were inspired by them, and hopefully, all the other teams, especially the mm-hmm. newbies coming in, were inspired as well. Right, mm-hmm. and so I remember, oh gosh, in the early early days of of our competitions, I mean, probably in two thousand four, you know, three or four, one of um, the mentors who was fairly competitive said. Well, Jill, this is more of a of a collaboration than a competition. And I thought to myself, well, what's mm-hmm. wrong with that? Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, really not a thing. <laughs> to solve these issues, to solve the what we're facing right now with with this pandemic, it really is going to take everybody 
from around the world working mm-hmm. together and collaborating and not competing to help us get through it. And so yeah. I, yeah. I really, you know, I, I hope and I think that, you know, it's often said and, and you can appreciate that, that the, the sort of leadership and the environment comes from the top. And I like to think mm-hmm. all of us at Mate, you know, per, present it and help to foster and encourage that collaboration and that collaborative friendly competition environment, mm-hmm. if you will. And yeah, we, we we definitely always see that. I mean, not once that I can think of over the years have I watched that not happen. And, you know, even our our, our rock star team, you know, in Detroit, they're veterans because they've they've sort of built the pipeline of their program and kids look forward to being able to join the team when they get to high school and and the team has 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 spun off into, you know, many components of the team because there's now more kids, you know, and whatnot. And, and what I see from them, those veteran teams is they are the first, the first to say yes when another team asks for help or how did you do that or what, or could I learn how to do that? Or could you show me? Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of thing that I see over time um, with these teams back to that uh, very, very collaborative. And they fully recognize the value that the community has from an expertise and experience component. Mm -hmm. And you can't underscore the value of that. Yeah. No, thank you. And you know, it's it's interesting because it also made me think of when you said they're, you know, they're scrappy. I mean, resourceful. They are scrappy. <laughs> I love them. <laughs> and, and, you know, kind of I think they build their ROVs in a tool shed out back behind the school, somebody told me. So they're scrappy. I love them. <laughs> very MacGyver-ish. Well, you know, yeah, they are very MacGyver. That is a great way to think about them. Yeah. So, but that really goes back to two people. One of them being Marty Klein. And mm-hmm. he, if he hears me say this, he will cringe because <laughs> he really hates this acronym. But he's really a fan of the KISS principle. And I think yep. that means to us, keep it simple <laughs> students. And mm-hmm. so I'm not sure he still appreciates that acronym. But it <laughs> is about you know really keeping it and, and being resourceful, not overthinking and making it mm-hmm. overcomplicated. You know, mm-hmm. there is some, there is value, of course, in learning the more complicated and complex technical skills. But when it comes to building something that functions and works and re- is reliable and robust, really, you know, being that MacGyver type. Mm-hmm. And it also harkens back to Harry Bohm, who was my early mentor in all this. Harry Bohm and, and his colleague, Vicki Jensen, were really the people that got us started in this ROV education world. And Harry Bohm, I, I've been in touch with him recently, and he's still, he's not it directly involved with the competition anymore, although he sponsors our Sharkpedo Award every year in Sharkpedo. <laughs> There's a story behind that I'm not yeah. going to get into it, but <laughs> it's, a, it's an interesting, fun story. But um, that is really about thinking outside of the box, creativity, mm-hmm. innovation. And he sponsors that award every year because that's what he was about. When he would come down to Monterey, he's based in Vancouver, Canada, and help us begin to frame out our educator workshops and our curriculum and the way we delivered information. He was always about how, you know, encouraging us and the teachers we worked with to look at things and see things differently. I mean, he would take our teachers and ourselves to the Home Depot, right? Our hardware yeah. <laughs> and take us down these aisles and say, just look at something and think about a different use for it. You know, that's right. where if you ever see some pictures on our website, yes, that is a kitty litter scoop. 
that's yep. at the front of one of our ROVs because it was the perfect tool to pick up X, Y, and Z, whatever we mm-hmm. had in the mission scenario. And so just giving a nod to, to Harry, to Harry, you know, he, he loves those types of students and teams because that's kind of his background and, and you know, not having and with his history and, and growing up and not having all the resources and the ton of funding, you know, you, you get to be resourceful and get to be, um, you know, looking at things and, and using everyday items in new and innovative ways. So a nod to, to both of those individuals for, you know, they, they love, I, I know that they, if they heard you describe that team, they would know who that team was mm-hmm. as, as well because mm-hmm. they've been around since the early days. Yeah, yeah. Well, and what you're talking about is the essence of innovation. And we want all of our citizens of the world to possess um, the wherewithal, to have the confidence to innovate and solve problems um, in real time. So I, so I, again, you know, appreciate the program for all that it fosters in kids. You know, as we get ready to close here, um, Jill, I have no doubt that uh, teachers and schools who have been listening to this conversation that we're having today are asking themselves, how, how do we bring mate to our school? So very quickly, uh, let's close with that invitation them how how do schools do this sure uh, well you know it's we have those 40 regional programs right across the country and around the world and we have a wonderful website and if i'm able to i'll give that um if you don't mind i'll give that mm-hmm. url it's mate rov competition.org all one word all lowercase mate rov competition.org you can search there and look for the regional program near you or you can reach out directly to me and I can point you to people who are close by or point you to, you know, again, nearby educator mm-hmm. workshops, student outreach. You know, we do have, I mentioned the kits and curriculum we have. Those are great resources. You're able to, we try to keep the cost on those low. You're able to purchase those from us. But another thing about our competition is you're not required to use our stuff. You exactly. can use whatever platform. You can use that kitty litter scoop. You don't have to <laughs> what you have in that store. So certainly have folks reach out. And, and just one thing, Annalise, I, I alluded to earlier, our, our future directions. You, you mentioned I'm, I am the associate director and co-PI of the MATE Center. And, and, and that really gives a nod to our NSF roots. But back in, oh gosh, late 2016, we actually founded MATE2, which is MATE yep. Inspiration for Innovation, which is a 501c3 nonprofit. As you can imagine, you know, one thing, NSF has been fantastic to us, but one thing that they encourage, and, and rightly so, is to look at sustainability and, and diversifying our revenue, if you will, streams and, mm-hmm. and bringing out other funding. And, and we've been able to do that, but we realized that um, with 501c3 status, that would open the doors to so many other potential funding sources. And so, again, we just did that late 2016. Meet 2 is still in a in its infancy, but it really is was set up, and the purpose is to help sustain this program into the future. And you know, I have to give a nod to the National Science Foundation and certainly the Marine Technology Society's ROV committee. I neglected to mention them earlier, but it was really their um, their outreach to us and their inspiration and their idea to create this competition in the mm-hmm. first place. I know there's some debate about who actually came up with the idea. <laughs> well, well, we're going to give Mar- we'll give Marty credit because yeah, he exactly. likes to talk about it. Exactly. But the Marine <laughs> Technology Society, it's a wonderful resource, um, especially as students yeah. get into high school and, and they have wonderful scholarships. So they've been a fantastic partner. But 
I just wanted to, and, and I should say that a number of our regional programs in the U.S. are actually carried out and organized by Marine Technology Society sections in those regions. The Puget mm-hmm. Sound in, in the Seattle area is one of one example. So, um, and again, they should out, outreach to us. Let me know. We're, that's part of what I enjoy is, is hearing from people and making connections, right? Making connections to people that are in their region, in their area. If it's not a, a regional coordinator, you know, we're bound to have a team like the team that you described in Detroit who is willing to help out and get others, yeah. uh, help others to get started. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I will echo all that you just heard from Jill. Uh, we will post um, resources and links and contact information on our website uh, for the program. And if you have questions, uh, you know, reach out, reach out to me and I will redirect you if you, you didn't get there directly uh, back to Jill. Um, and then just encourage, you know, any school community after school group, you name it, uh, to take a look at the Mate ROV program and join us all underwater because we would love to meet you there. So thank you, Jill, very much for joining us today. Oh, Annalise, thank you so much. I've enjoyed speaking with you and, and your audience and and um, take good care. And yeah, we hope to see, see more students um, underwater with us. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us for Learning Unboxed, a conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. I want to thank my guests and encourage you all to be part of the conversation. Meet me on social media at Annalise Corbin and join me next time as we stand up, step back, and lean in to reimagine education.